Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves, and we are all on the eve of the biggest party of the summer. SummerSlam goes down tomorrow, Ford Field, Detroit, Michigan. Of course, you can catch it all streaming live, WWE on Peacock. We have got you covered for all things SummerSlam. Of course, I can't do it alone. He is my co-pilot on Mondays, KP Kevin Patrick. What's the good word, my friend? Ah, things are brilliant, Gravy. Delighted to be back here on the show after another pulsating Raw. Roll on the biggest party of the summer, man. Detroit's going to be bouncing this Saturday. Detroit, one of my favorite cities to travel to. A, because I can drive there from Pittsburgh. It's only four hours in the car. But, man, I just love everything about the mentality in Detroit. It's a tough city. It's a blue-collar city. They've done a lot of work recently. It's absolutely beautiful. The whole stadium area, the the Tiger Stadium surrounding is right, right next door. Uh, man, what a beautiful, beautiful place to host the biggest party of the summer. And I have a feeling we are going to be talking a lot about what goes down Saturday, uh, as we expect here on After the Bell, where we cover all things WWE. But before we get to SummerSlam, I'm going to throw the thing in reverse for just a minute, because God knows in this day and age, we here at WWE create so much content, it's easy for things to get lost in the shuffle. Particularly for the last year or so, everything has been so red hot and it's always on to the next, on to the next, on to the next. We were discussing before we hit the record button that the Sami Zayn-Roman Reigns match in Montreal that was so highly anticipated and so emotional was in February. (laughs) Six months ago, KP, it feels like it was yesterday. So... In lieu of letting everything just sort of run together and have to sift through it all in hindsight, I want to just draw a little bit of attention to what went down Sunday night as I was arriving into Houston for Monday Night Raw. I know you were already there. You were watching where you were. I was watching on my iPad in my hotel room. NXT Great American Bash. Hats off to all the men and women up and down the card who performed. But KP, I texted you that night as it was happening. I tweeted before it happened. Something about the main event felt special to me. I didn't know how. I couldn't put my finger on it. I just felt like this was going to be one that we're going to be talking about for a long time. And far be it from me to ever pat myself on the back. Barry Horowitz-esque. Man, I was right. Ilya Dragunov, Carmelo Hayes. uh, Man, unbelievable. Those two gentlemen tore it up. The athleticism, the physicality. I've I've droned on about Ilya Dragunov a few times on this podcast over the years. The guy gives me anxiety when I watch him compete. And I mean that in a great way. Dragunov is like a cyborg. Let me correct myself. He's a cyborg who can emote. The intensity that just pours from Ilya Dragunov anytime he's on screen it's palpable you can feel the intensity but the way he just soldiers forward and he gets gets his head kicked off and he turns around and he fires right back and credit to, Car- to Carmelo Hayes because I think there are probably a few doubters in the WWE universe who think for one reason or another okay well Melo never he hasn't caught fire like Braun Breaker did granted he had to defeat Braun Breaker to become NXT champion But there's still those questions. Is Melo the next guy? When he comes to Raw or SmackDown, does he have what it takes to, to, is he going to sink or swim? Well, buddy, he was doing backstrokes in the Atlantic at the Great American Bash because it was unreal. Just the physicality. These two dudes, it felt like they were trying to harm one another. Not just win, physically incapacitate and harm each other. It felt dangerous. It was brutal. My God. KP, you know it takes a lot to get me all wound up, especially when I'm not on the air 
And I was buzzing for that main event. But anybody can anybody can have a match where they're trying to harm each other. Anybody can do that. The, 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 it felt like they were telling a story in the ring that we were all absolutely invested in. And I was lost in the moment like you were too. We were texting each other about it. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I thought Vic and Booker on commentary were sensational. I thought that, you know, when you look at Ilya Dragunov, he's never met a bad match. There's something about that guy, like you say, that's special. And if we're to believe what we saw from NXT, that Trick Williams may go out here alone and, and, and may have beef with... Ilya Dragunov, bring it on because Trick Williams is a star, man. That guy has something special about him. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it you can work out in it. You can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing in the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. When you're talking about stars, KP, uh, we'd be remiss to not remind the ATB faithful of the star coming your way in a matter of time. LA night is here on After the Bell. We're going to get the mega stars thoughts about all things SummerSlam in just a little bit. But Carmelo Hayes, Ilya Dragunov, neither of those superstars to me would be out of place on the SummerSlam card. Uh, KP, I'm sure you agree with me wholeheartedly, but... It is SummerSlam Eve. That is what we are talking about today. That is why we are here. I'm glancing right now. I have the car laid out in front of me. What stands out to you? Before we run through each and every little detail, what is on top of mind for Kevin Patrick SummerSlam weekend? So when I'm looking down the card here, there's several matches where I just feel like superstars may rip the heads off each other. Drew McIntyre and Gunter, sheer brutality. I think Jimmy, or excuse me, Jey Uso and Roman Reigns has gotten to a point where it's going to be absolutely nasty. Shayna Baszler, Ronda Rousey. But for me, it's still Cody Rhodes, Brock Lesnar. Given what we saw again, Cody started it on Monday. Cody went after Brock on Monday. Yet Brock Lesnar had his way with Cody Rhodes. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you said that out loud because I intimated it on Monday and didn't really have time to elaborate. And look, you're not going to find a much bigger Cody Rhodes fan than Corey Graves. We've waxed poetic about him ad nauseum since he returned to WWE. I consider him a very close friend. Have all the respect in the world for Cody. He's played with fire twice now. He defeated Brock Lesnar in Puerto Rico. He had his arm broken and did not succeed in Saudi Arabia. Now we're headed to Detroit. The rubber match. Winner take all, essentially, for bragging rights when it comes down to it. And Brock Lesnar, the most decorated combat sports athlete in history, said to Cody Rhodes, if you come out here and shake my hand, if nothing else, I'll respect you. Cody came out, 
Brock didn't do the old 1980s bad guy, pull him into the F5, or he didn't go nose to nose and make mean faces. Brock's an old school guy. Brock operates uh, on a wavelength unto himself. He shook Cody's hand, and as he was leaving, Cody stuck a dart in Brock's back. Cody then received a beatdown that he deserved because Brock was leaving. <laughs> you know why they have the old saying? You're making it sound like Brock has a conscience. I, I, no, I'm, compa- I'm getting to where I'm, I'm going right now. The old adage, don't poke the bear. That's, that's because in real life, in any scenario, if you find a, a, or you let sleeping dogs lie, you don't poke the bear. Brock Lesnar is the closest thing to a human grizzly bear that exists on God's green earth. And Brock was walking away. Brock was not hungry. Brock didn't want to steal Cody's picnic basket. Brock was done for the night. And Cody tried to initiate physicality, took it to Brock, and paid the price for it. Now Cody's going to march into Detroit knowing he's going to fight Brock Lesnar. And Lesnar is now furious. Because he has been poked again. I almost looked at it like, okay, look, we know Brock. Brock does what Brock wants. If Brock doesn't want to have the match, Brock's not going to. Right? Brock, obviously, something about competing with Cody Rhodes is attractive to the Beast Incarnate. And now I fear for Cody's safety. Because Brock is going to come out there looking to make quick, brutal, violent work of Cody Rhodes at SummerSlam. And I can't say that I like Cody's chances. You know what stood out to me, though, is one, the fact that he left him breathing. And Cody pointed this out before. You leave me breathing, I've still got a chance. And more than a chance, because we're talking about Cody Rhodes here. And he's already defeated Brock Lesnar through his own intelligence, shifting the way to Lesnar over in Puerto Rico and getting that pin. When I think about Brock, though, the image of him walking out in front of the WWE Universe, we didn't have that smile that we've usually seen from the Beast Incarnate. He walked out with great purpose. What did he tell us? He told us how decorated he is, whether it's his NCAA career, his MMA career, his WWE career. He listed his resume, and then he said, it's fight week. And I got chills, Corey. When he said it's fight week, I'm looking at one of the greatest predators we've ever seen, and I'm thinking, holy Cody Rhodes is in trouble. That's the feeling I got but he left him breathing. And, and I just, there's something special about Cody Rhodes that you see throughout the documentary, The American Nightmare, Becoming Cody Rhodes, now available on Peacock. You always believe in Cody. He's always got a chance and he left him breathing, which makes Saturday's match at SummerSlam just so much more intriguing. I can't wholeheartedly disagree with you. I can't help but believe at least a little bit in the American Nightmare's chances, but also much like Cody Rhodes, I'm a bit of a comic book fan and I've referenced it on commentary when they've collided in the past. Eventually, Superman met Doomsday. And I know you may not be a comic book guy, KP, but it didn't end well for old Cal L. Uh, I don't know. We're going to have to see how it shakes out. Cody's got this, the weight of the world on his shoulders, and the odds couldn't be stacked any higher. But I'm looking up and down the card. You mentioned Gunther and Drew McIntyre. That's about as simple as anything can be in this business. It's two big badasses who are going to war over the Intercontinental Championship. Enough said. I hope Imperium stays away. I hope there's not a lot of shenanigans. I hope it's two big badass dudes fighting over the Intercontinental Championship. And whoever wins, the WWE Universe wins. But to be perfectly honest, I know it hasn't looked like the ring general of old recently. That's what I was just going to ask I'm you I'm not worried about Gunther's chance. I'm not worried. 
What? I'm not worried, and I'll tell you this. As highly as I regard Drew McIntyre, a guy who carried this place through the pandemic as champion, and, and I believe in Drew McIntyre, I respect Drew McIntyre, Drew has not been competing since WrestleMania, not with any sort of regularity. Gunther, at least every couple Raws gets in the ring and will go 15, 20 minutes. Remember, he tore it down with Kevin Owens a few months back. He did it with Sami Zayn. We saw it this past week with Chad Gable. The ring general keeps himself razor sharp at all times, and I think that's going to be the difference. That's the one reason I can't say... You know, the, the romantic wrestling fan in me goes, oh, it'll be a great story. Drew didn't manage to do it at WrestleMania. He went away for a while. He got himself in better shape. He's healed up. He's 100% cool. But Gunther's special, man. He's so special right now. And he is a guy, and we talked about this after Raw in the, uh, you know, in, in the pub after the show, about how something about Gunther just makes people believe. He's almost becoming a spectacle unto himself where you don't like the guy. He's a jerk, right? Imperium, the ring's sacred. People hate that. He's telling the WWE universe that he's better than them and he's better than your favorite. But when Gunther starts swinging those chops, it's almost <laughs> as though the fans are getting that, that. Oh my God. Oh, I hate this guy, but he's fun to watch. And it's to the point where I think Gunther has earned a different kind of respect from the WWE universe because no, you don't like him. But you know you're going to see something great when he's on your screen. He's never going to be your favorite. But you want him in the ring with your favorite because you know your favorite is about to have the match of his life. Correct. And I think that's where Gunther is living right now, man. He is so special. He is just operating on a different level. And I don't think McIntyre has a chance. Did you see Chad Gable took to social media and to show everybody his chest? And you said it on commentary perfectly. Those chops weren't really hitting his chest as much as they were hitting his throat because of the height difference. And Chad Gable, if anything, coming away from Monday Night Raw, I didn't know there was room to have more respect for the ability of Chad Gable. I mean, this guy's an Olympian. We, we talk about it all the time. But coming away from that match, I was like, holy man, this guy is just on a different level, isn't he? Yeah, no doubt about it. And as I look elsewhere on the card, I think we'd be remiss to not mention the World Heavyweight Championship. Seth freaking Rollins defending against Finn Balor. You have to imagine Senor Money in the Bank will be looming large uh, in Detroit, however that may be. But I'm going to say this. As much as I respect and enjoy Finn Balor and all things Judgment Day right now, I think Rollins needs to win. I think Rollins does win. And I think Seth is able to get back on his mission how it began, how Seth intended to make the World Heavyweight Championship prestigious through frequent title defenses, memorable matches, and being the workhorse that Seth wants to be. The Judgment Day, Finn in particular, has sort of derailed Seth's goal since Money in the Bank. Obviously, Finn earned the opportunity, but the Judgment Day have just kept being thorns in the side of Rollins to where I think Rollins is, is ready to put it all in the rearview mirror. I think Rollins is ready to move on. Rollins is ready to, to step to whatever the next challenge looks like and continue to raise the profile of the championship. Or if somehow Finn Balor manages to do it, then all of Rollins' work goes up in smoke. It was all for naught. And then the Judgment Day have a legitimate claim to being the most powerful entity in WWE. How do you see this playing out, KP? 100%. 
the way I see it playing out is that Damien Priest, senior money in the bank, will eye SummerSlam as the great occasion. I mean, he has to, right? Damien Priest is a fellow who became United States champion at SummerSlam. He understands the magnitude of the biggest party of the summer. And what we saw on Monday was friction, whether people like to admit it or not, between Finn Balor and Damien Priest. Damien, you said, you said it on commentary. Seth Rollins was dead to rights. Damien Priest had the contract ready to cash in and Balor didn't give it to him quick enough. Now, all of a sudden, here comes SummerSlam. Whether Finn wins it or Seth Rollins retains, I think Damien Priest is going to be ready to cash in come SummerSlam, as is EO Sky. We saw little hints um, between EO Sky and Oscar on SmackDown recently. I wouldn't be surprised if EO Sky is ready to go as Miss Money in the Bank uh, after that championship match between Charlotte Flair, Bianca Belair, and the champ Oscar. But I do, I do want to get to something. You mentioned Roman Reigns here, Gravy. I was watching ESPN and First Take with Stephen A. Smith, and it made me realize something that we all know. When WWE superstars venture beyond the bubble of WWE and professional wrestling, it just shines a light on how phenomenal they are as performers. Watching Paul Heyman on the same level as Stephen A. Smith, on Stephen A. Smith's show, and watching Stephen A. Smith just like looking at Paul Heyman with the utmost respect and trying to nearly cut a promo like Paul Heyman. And Roman Reigns, as cool as he looked in that light blue suit, similar suit to what you were wearing on Monday, by the way. Um, Same style. It just made me realize how special our superstars really are. I could not agree more. I think that's one of many reasons why you see WWE superstars crossing over as they so frequently do. Uh, look, we talked, we had a graphic on Monday night, John Cena in the biggest movie on Netflix right now. Uh, it, with Jackie Chan, uh, look at Batista. Batista's become like an actual Hollywood actor in Marvel movies. Uh, Stone Cold has his shows and different projects at all times. I- I'm sure I, uh, The Rock cut his teeth <laughs> in this business. There is no business like our business. And you and I have said it a million times. If you can succeed in this world, you can pretty much succeed anywhere. Uh, I'm actually thinking about trying to find a management job because I want to be someone's boss. I want to sit in Man, an office. I want to be like Bill Lumberg from Office Space and say, hey, listen, I'm Corey Graves. I was in WWE. You're doing it wrong. I'm like, sorry, this is a Wendy's. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I digress. I'm excited for what we got. Dominic Mysterio, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, one of these days, one of these days, I could be the warden. I could be <laughs> Dom's personal parole officer. There we go. That There it is. There, I might have just stumbled on another million dollar idea like I so often think I do. Uh, here's a guy who may have had a few million dollar ideas in his day. We are finally getting to see him enjoy the fruits of his labor. He is red hot. He will compete tonight on Friday night SmackDown against the Celtic warrior Sheamus before competing tomorrow night. SummerSlam in the Slim Jim SummerSlam Battle Royal. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome L.A. Night. Yeah. You can't do it before he gets here, Kevin. LA, before you joined us, KP and I were chatting about how quickly time seems to move within the WWE universe. We were reminiscing about something that felt like yesterday. It actually turned out to be seven or eight months ago, uh, which is roughly about the same time you joined this show for the last time. It was just leading up to the Royal Rumble. You had the pitch black match with Bray Wyatt. And since then, I think it's safe to say that things have changed a little bit in the world of LA Knight. <laughs> What's this journey been like, man? Um, unexpected and also in a weird way expected. 
Um, and, and I don't mean to say that in any kind of like seriously arrogant way, but this is kind of the, this is kind of what motivated me for all that time. And through, through those lean years and through the years when I was on the outside looking in where it was just like, you know, I, I know that there's something here. I know there's something for me to be done for, for me to do, uh, that that's a little bit different. Uh, that, that stands out. Now, now, I can't put my finger on exactly what it is that's resonating, but there's something there, and uh, that's really the only thing that matters. So, I mean, I, mean, I, don't, I don't need to pinpoint it or anything like that because um, at this point, it's just – it's been a crazy groundswell, uh, but I also can't – I can't get too focused on that. It's just kind of like I got to keep doing my thing because that's what brought me to the dance. I got to keep dancing. I want to ask you about what brought you to the dance because I've known you off and on for probably close to a decade at this point uh, through your, your run through NXT. And of course I know what you're, you're doing in championship wrestling from Hollywood, et cetera. And whether it be Sean Ricker, whether it be Slate Randall, now LA Knight, you've maintained at least the majority of your authenticity. You've tweaked little things. You might've changed the gear, you changed the name, but you've kind of always done your thing. And, and to your first answer, you said it's unexpected, but also sort of expected. How have you been able to maintain your sense of authenticity in a world that is like really happy to change you at any given opportunity? Man, that, 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 that is one of the toughest things, but part of it is, all right, what's working keep it while also slightly evolving it. Because I mean, like you said, it, it's, it's, I've, I've kept the general base of things while, while the different essence. things have changed. Yeah. I mean, like, like I've basically been, been this, doing this same thing more or less for the last 10 years or so, probably even 13 years. Uh, I'd say since about 2010 or so. Um, and, and for me, it's just kind of like, all right, well, well through that journey, it's still like, all right, well, what's this guy look like? What's he wear? What's he do? Whatever. And it's kind of like, well, what would I wear? What would I do? And so it's just like, all right, I, I got to figure out what's, what's me completely maxed out. Okay. And so, so it's just kind of been the, those kind of things. And, and for me, it's just kind of what feels normal, what feels natural. A lot of these things where it's like a lot of these um, like catchphrases and stuff, a lot of the stuff is just stuff I said in normal life. Right. Like, yeah, just started from me just messing around, you know, walking around saying stuff. I, and and I, you, okay, so nobody outside of the PC knows this, but like when I was walking around in like 2013, I was always going like everybody and everybody's doing everybody back at me at the PC. It was like just a thing. And that was just something when I used to have a restaurant job. I don't know how many of you guys have worked restaurant jobs. When you go around the corner because you're carrying drinks and food and stuff, you don't want to bump into people. So you'd go corner. For whatever reason, I don't want to say corner. So if I went around the corner, I'd go, everybody. And so then people knew I was coming. And so what a beautiful just, little origin story. So it was just dumb stuff that I would just say that just naturally, all right, well, let's let's move that in here. And let's let's if I'm saying it in real life, why wouldn't I say it here? And we'll just, you know, make it work and stuff like that. So um there, there is for me, it's like when I first got in the business. I just remembered what I liked when I was watching and I liked the guys who could talk and then go back it up. And so for me, it was like, let's prioritize the talking while also prioritizing the wrestling. But I, I really want to make sure that I can talk the people into it so that then we can get into the meat of the matter. 
I love it. Absolutely. I, I, we had a discussion on this podcast a few weeks ago where I was offering my little dime store psychology as to what could explain the sudden insane popularity of LA night. And I, my theory was that you and I are similar in age. And to your point, you just said, what would I do? What would I want to be if I was a WWE superstar? And I feel as though a lot of our fans see in you what they would have wanted to be in themselves because in that certain age range, the guys who are bringing their kids to the show or the guys who are there at the show, enjoying themselves with their buddies and buying beers, they look and go, if I were ever a WWE superstar, I'd want to be like that guy. Have you had anybody approach you or explain to you? I I know you're not trying to to poke holes in your own theory here, but have you, have you had anybody sort of try to intimate to you what it is that they're seeing in you? I mean, most people say it feels like a throwback to the Attitude Era, and sure. and that is, that is probably completely true because that is kind of like what I liked, and and so I think that even if you can link it back to that, it's a matter of bringing the old to the new, uh, and, and mixing those things. But at the same time, like there's there's a lot of things that didn't or don't speak to me, I guess, in the, in the current era of wrestling. And for me, it was like, all right, well, what can I do? That's going to be set myself apart. What, what, what can I do? That's going to make me look different. And it might not be as fancy or as pretty or as, uh, you know, technically, uh, beautiful as some of the other things happening. But for me, it's like, I want to be in a fight and I want to talk like I'm in a fight. I want to present myself like I'm in a fight. Um, and so at the end of the day, it, it, is that a part of it? Maybe, I don't know. Um, but for me, that, that's what I want it to be. So I'm going to talk a little trash. Some of it might be a little colorful, but at the same time, I'm going to get to a point and then there's going to be a fight. And, and, and it, it, for me, it's like, I, I try not to waste a lot of motion with the stuff that I do. There's not a lot of, there's not, like I said, not a lot of pretty, not a lot of fancy. It's just bare bones and it's down to it. It's almost attractive in its simplicity. Yeah. The the way you just explained it, I'm going to talk smack and then I'm going to get into a fight. Okay. I don't need to analyze this. I don't need to research this. It's like, Oh, this guy said, okay, cool. I get it. I, I understand that theory. We were talking about you, LA, at the bar dealer night after Raw. You know, we have some of the best chats, about five or six of us sitting around, and we were talking about what's working for you and what's worked for the very best over the years. And and it's not it's not the moves. Like we nobody remembers the moves, right? It's that simplistic approach where you can capture the imagination of everybody around you that, that's working so well. What I find fascinating about what you said moments ago, though, was the fact the fact that you haven't changed much in 10 years. Was there moments along the journey where you thought, ah, I got to switch this up. I got to do something drastically different, or I'm just going to keep going in this one direction and it's going to catch on eventually. Every damn day, because I'm sick of hearing myself half the time. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. Cause I mean, cause so here's, here's the issue with that is, is whatever I was doing was working wherever I was going. But at a point, I'm just like, all right, well, I got to change it up because I'm sick of hearing it. But then I'm thinking to myself, yeah, but now I'm in front of different audiences. So if it was working there, it's going to work here. Keep doing it. And then we'll slowly evolve it as we go. Because, I mean, if, if, you do, if you're not evolving, you're stagnant, you will fall off. You, the, the people stop caring. Everything will just fade away. So, I mean, you have to evolve things in some degree. But at the same time, you also have to use what's working. So even if I'm sick of it and I've been hearing it 
and, and all that stuff for the last 10 years. And I mean, there's certain things that I've said that I've stopped saying or certain things that I never used to say that I am saying. So, I mean, there's, there's the base elements and then there's other things that come and go. And as long as I kind of have that general base and let, then let the other bits of seasoning change, then I think we're in a good spot. You don't want to become that legendary band who refuses to play their biggest hit just because they're right. tired of playing it. Because right. guess what? There's a stadium full of fans waiting to hear Welcome to the Jungle. And, you know, that if Axel says, no, we're not going to do that tonight, a lot of people are going to go, oh, that's really disappointing. You don't want to be that guy. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to lead off with a little something familiar. I'm going to hit you with Welcome to the Jungle, and then I'm going to play you the new stuff. There it is. That's it. There's the formula. And then maybe I'll sandwich it with, uh, you know, like a November rain or something. Right, right. We're we're getting the familiar bits, but I'm going to hit you a little something new in there in between. And if you stay long enough, you might hear a really cool cover. (laughs) You never know. There it is. Dude, how pumped we, are we you? Figured, that's it. That's the end of the interview. We figured it out, KP. We've <laughs> yeah, solved exactly. it. <laughs> but it's the one thing that, I mean, there's a lot of things about SummerSlam we're looking forward to, but hearing the LA night pop that we're going to get in a packed house in Detroit, man, you must be salivating at the prospect of this. If I'm honest, I didn't even think about it until you just said it. Because, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, when, when you put it into, into that perspective, the, the only... Uh, I mean, Money in the Bank was it was a big one, but I mean, it, it was about a normal size arena for the most part. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess the last time I was in like a big stadium, stadium was Royal Rumble, and at that point in time, it was like the people were still kind of just getting to know me. And so now, yeah, I mean, it, it, Ford Field has the potential to be pretty wild reaction. Uh, you never know, but um, I don't know. That, that's the other thing is I, I never like to lean on that either. For me, I'm I'm expecting that anytime I walk out there, that reaction is just not going to be there. And I, I'm not going to let that affect me one way or the other. I'm going to continue to go out there and do what I do. So like, that's, I, I try not to put too much stock in that other than the fact to be like, Hey, this stuff's happening. This stuff's moving. Uh, so <laughs> look, the, the merchandise is moving. Everything's moving. So I'm just like, all right, well then that means that everything has got to start moving in a forward trajectory. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it you can work out in it. You can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed. 
my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies' splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. It's such an old school mentality, though, because I, I know where this somewhere along the line was instilled in you. It's that you can't work like you are over every night you have to get over. Yeah. So that's where that mentality that you just said uh, I, I don't I don't expect it. I can't rely on it. That's that's a that used to be the, the standard, the norm, not just, hey, here I am. People are going to love me. It's I got to make sure they love me. Right. And and so because every city is different, even though sometimes every city is the same. So uh, and, and, and for the last few months, every city has been the same for the most part. Um, but at the same time, it's still like I, I, I can never assume I can never be safe in the thought of like, oh, yeah, it's, I'm going to go out there and it's going to happen. No. I need to go out there and and make it happen and earn it every week. And whether that's if if they hate me, if they love me, I don't care. But here's zero. I'm going to make you move as far away from zero as possible. Do you want to drop a little knowledge to the best of your ability? KP and I discuss the importance on here all the time of maximizing your minutes. And you're a guy who hasn't had an overabundance of TV time. But when you're on screen, you capture it and you make the most of it. How do you approach these opportunities knowing that, hey, you've got 90 seconds to cut a promo or you've got an entrance and a 30-second match as you're preparing? How do you, how do you walk out into that, that world knowing what you have to work with? Well, it's tough because there's so many times where you have a lot to say and you have to realize, oh, well, okay. Oh, sorry. I just swore. Uh, you got to realize, um, you know, I've only got 30 seconds, 60 seconds, 90 seconds. All right. Well, I got to edit down to the, the meatiest parts of this and just get to it. And, and like you said, maximize the minutes to where it's like, I need to get the most out of this little bit of time that I have. And so I, I, I can't, I can't say exactly what that process is other than just the fact of like, what's going to give me the most impact in the little smallest amount of time. And I mean, that's, that's really, there's no real formula. It's just, this will work. This will work. And I hope that works. Lots of self editing and a prayer. <laughs> Love it. Do you feel this wave of momentum right now needs to come with a championship? Uh, at, at, at this point, um, I, I don't know. It's, um, there's so many different ways to go with it, uh, but I do think that it definitely you, you can't you can't let this stagnate. So whatever happens, it needs to be an upward and an onward trajectory, uh, whether that's championships or whatever it is. Um, uh, for sure, you can't you can't just let this one you can't just let this sit. Uh, like and, and that's that's something on me. That's something on everybody to where it, it's got to stay. You can't just rely and, and, you know, rest on your laurels and just be like, all right, well, this is just going to be here. And I can, all I have to do is just go out there and it's just going to be there for me. No, like it, this, again, there has to be an evolution. There has to be something that continues to progress. Is there any fear inside you having been around this business as long as you have 
and experiencing what you're experiencing right now, that if you do reach the climax, you do win a championship, you do have that crowning moment, having seen superstars in the past with that organic groundswell sort of dry up. Is there any part of your mind that goes, I'm going to enjoy this ride because once we get to the peak, it may end? No, uh, and I'll tell you why. Um, I've had that comparison made where people are like, oh, you know, well, this is kind of like this person when they got really popular, this person when they got very popular. And and I don't mean to take anything away from them, but uh, I don't think the comparisons fit. And the reason I say that is because everybody that they make those comparisons to, um, they had runs. They had runs as a champion. They had runs as, uh, you know, m- maybe they got to, uh, you know, be a U.S. champion or intercontinental champion or whatever it was. And, and I've had none of that. I've, I've been in this now SmackDown roster for nine, ten months. And, and again, I, I don't mean to say this with any arrogance or whatever, but let's just face facts. I don't think there's been anybody ever who's had in nine or 10 months, this kind of reaction and with honestly, not a lot to do. Right. Right. Um, That's the biggest caveat. It's not, Hey everybody, here's LA night. Hey everybody, LA night's featured. Hey, here's a backstory on LA night. It's almost like it it is. It's, it reminds me of a band that you used to see back before the internet ruined music. When you would go to a club (laughs) to see a band and you would go, Oh man, these guys, these guys are coming there and you keep them in your back pocket and you can't wait for it to blow up. This hasn't been manufactured. It hasn't been the machine. This is just straight up groundswell. And again, in such a short amount of time. And and I was never, it was never told to the audience, this is the guy. And so with that being the case, I don't think that you can make the comparisons to the other people. Um, and, and with that in mind, do I think that reaching the pinnacle as far as being a champion would be a hindrance? Not at all. And I'll tell you why. When I look at the fact that I still haven't rested on the, like, okay, look, I made it here. It's WWE. It's the biggest company in the world. And, you know, a lot of people would be like, oh my God, you finally made it. No, I haven't. I haven't. And, and, and everybody's just like, oh, you know, you, you, you finally did it. No. And that's the thing. Even when I was the champion, no, you got to keep going. There's always still something to push at. And whether that's new contenders and fighting from still fighting from underneath, even though you're the champion, having disadvantages that comes from, you know, maybe different creative outlets or whatever, just finding ways to, to make it fresh, keep it fresh, keep me fresh, keep everything around it fresh, but also just being that hungry SOB that I am where it's just like, I'm never satisfied. Um, and, and sometimes that's, a uh, that's a flaw of mine, but it's also maybe a virtue of mine to where it's like, I just am never satisfied. And, and so in that regard, even if you put that championship on me now, it's like, okay, well, I've gotten that, but now I don't just want to be a champion. Like I want to be now, I want to take this to a level where it's like, I'm looked at as maybe one of the best ever. And so now I have even more work to do to get that done. So, and it's funny because again, I've heard that before where it's like, oh, well, you know, you know, maybe this person won the championship and then it, it kind of fell off for him. I, I don't think that you can make the comparison again because I've never had that run. This is one of the most authentic groundswells. And also beyond that, I, I, the, the thing that made me, the thing that carried me is the talking, the trash talk, the personality, the swagger, all that stuff. And I don't think that the other people they made the comparisons to had that same thing going for them. A lot of it was, oh, this guy's the underdog. 
well, okay, well now if you take the underdog and you finally get him the thing, he's no longer the underdog. So you have nothing to cheer for. But if the thing that they're cheering for with me is the trash talking, you know, stomping, romping guy. And now you give him the championship. Nothing's changed. I'm still that same trash talking, romping, stomping guy. Now I'm just continuing while I'm holding a championship. So where they've gotten to blow their, uh, you know, in a certain way with the underdog, you don't get the same opportunity with me. Now it's just, we continue it, but now I still have uh, hurdles to jump. I still have speed bumps. I still have walls to break through. That all makes a world of sense to me. And it's funny listening to you explain yourself. The one thing that I have not noticed, whether it be on social media or wherever you're seeing the LA night signs, wherever it may be, the word I never see. And I mean this in the best possible way to your point, LA night is deserve. Because I think all of those people you just referenced, it was a, Oh, they deserve this. Oh, they deserve almost like a consolation prize for a job. Well done. This guy has been in pretty solid for 10 years. He, he deserves a championship. That's polar opposite of what we're seeing right now. It's not LA Knight deserves to be. No, no. Give LA Knight a title shot because we want to see him. That's a very, very different mentality from fans than. Oh, well, we've always like, he's always done a pretty good job. It's not that at all. It's not in the it, it, It's, it's something totally different. And I'm, I'm glad you recognized it and hearing you explain it makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. And, and I've often uh, thought of that scenario. If I was in there and people said that I deserve it, I'd probably cut them off and, and take it in a different direction. Because for me, it's like, I, I don't, it's not a matter of deserve so much as like maybe, I don't even know what to say with that earned it or like, you know, like, 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 I, I don't want to think of deserve as like, ah, oh, give the guy a chance. No, no. Right. And, and I, and I hate that. That's all, one of my pet peeves about this business is when someone wins a championship, you deserve it. No, no, you won the championship. You earned the right. championship. You busted your ass. For, yes. You may in, in the most literal sense, deserve it for all the work that you've put in. The word deserve in the wrestling business to me just feels dirty. It feels less than. It feels like a consolation. Yeah. And and, and even when uh like like for me, it's 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 no matter how you want to look at this business, it's it's earned. Um and and so it's not just them, it's not just that it was given to me. Oh, I'll give him the title. No, no, no. I, I don't I don't want to be given it. I want to earn it. And and at a certain level, I will believe that I have earned it. Um, now deserve, or you should just give it to him. That, that's, that's a whole other thing for me. You know, I love the fact that your mindset screams, yeah, I haven't made it yet. I'm hungrier than ever. I have to keep pushing forward. But within that, I'll be honest, I'm not sure that I'll ever feel that. I've made it. Right. <laughs> no, but, but <laughs> there the, it is. There's your, there's your quote. He'll never, I'm, I'm a psycho when it comes to that. Like I, I just, I can't, I can't let myself settle for whatever reason. I wish I could on a personal level. I wish I could turn this stuff off when I'm at home. I don't know how. Uh, and, and again, like I said, that might be my strongest flaw and my strongest strength. Well, with that, can you enjoy the moment though? Because this is something that you should absolutely as a human being in this moment in time should be enjoying. Are you, are you letting yourself enjoy it with that mentality to keep driving forward? Well, see, now you're going, we're going from deserve to should. Don't you tell me what I should do. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I, so I've been reading this book for three years cause I'm the worst reader ever. 
Um, it's called uh, um, uh, the molecule of more. It talks about you know how dopamine affects the brain. You know how certain people have like a dopaminergic personality. And I haven't really been reading it for three years. But what I mean by that is I started three years ago, got a little bit of the way, fell off, and then I was like, you know what? I should probably just start it over. And so I did. And and some of it talks about how like people with really dopaminergic personalities, they they get there's there's a level of anticipation that is really the anticipation is really the attractive part. That's the part that really drives you. And you're like, Oh, you like, you really get the juices flowing when it's just like, Oh, this thing is coming or I'm going to make this thing happen, whatever. And then when you get there, then it's like, all right, uh, well, what's next? Where can we go from here? And so can I enjoy it? Maybe for like two minutes. Uh, and then after that, it's just like, I, I have, my girlfriend, my friends, like they'll try and just be like, aren't you really happy and really excited? And my general response is, yeah. But there's never like a yes, like absolutely. Yeah. Like I'm just kind of like, yeah, okay. Cause it, like I have, I think it's also just been beaten in me from being in this business for so long. Like act like you belong. Um, like act like you've been there before. Um, and so in some way I'm almost too chill to where it's just kind of like, I never let myself get too excited, but also because of being in this business so long, I'm used to getting the rug pulled out from under me every now and then. So it's just kind of like, again, you don't want to ever, I never can let myself get too excited or too comfortable with anything because it's like, I'm always kind of just like, all right, when's, uh, when are they going to jump out and say I'm getting punked? Um, so it, it, you just kind of get in that mindset where it's like, I can enjoy it to a degree, but it, I feel like, man, before we started this, we were talking about how we need to get all the wrestlers together and, uh, group and, therapy, uh, you know, get, have a therapy session. I feel like we're having one right now. Uh, but, <laughs> but I, I, I'm, I'm fully in agreement. I, I think it's a brilliant idea, but, but it, it's such a unique world. I don't mean to cut you off, but yeah. I mean, people, there are people that consume every minute of content WWE produces. And if that's not enough, they go to whatever company is their favorite and they look up at old stuff and they get online and they look at stuff from Japan people. But until you have truly lived and experienced to where it affects your day-to-day life, whether you're going to have enough money to pay your electric bill, whether you, you're going to do this, it, it, you can't really understand the mentality because LA is doing a great job of summing it up in that like, okay, you never can get too excited. You can be in the middle of the ring at WrestleMania holding the world heavyweight championship, knowing in the back of your mind, crap, I got raw tomorrow. There, there's always that, that next what's next. And, and in the same way that, that, that level of uncertainty and almost pushing against that adversity that may or may not even exist at this point. But I mean, it still does. It's always going to exist because I'm, there's always something to, to push against in some way. But sometimes it's like when you watch uh, the last dance with Michael Jordan, it's like, you know, they would say like, he would just make things to, 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 you know, be offended by or whatever. I gotta be honest. There's sometimes where I I'm probably creating that same thing because it's almost like I, I almost need the motivation of something negative to push against to keep me going and to keep me moving forward. And, and again, maybe that's a sickness, but it's like, there's just like this thing where it's like, again, thinking all oh, the rug could be pulled out at any point. Who's over my shoulder just keeps me going. And I feel like I'm feeding people now who are just going to be like, Oh good. Okay. Well, we need to really mess with them. Now. <laughs> we'll edit that part out. We don't want to even get any ideas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey LA, you're, you're not the biggest social media guy, right? I was looking at your Twitter there earlier. You're just, you're not, 
yet you have this groundswell of support. But how much fun are you having with the fun that social media are having? Digging through the archives and finding out all these old clips of, of the acting days from the commercials of Aldi and what is it, the jewelry exchange? How much fun are you having with that? Hey, well, it's funny because a lot of the stuff that popped up, I'm like, oh my God, I forgot I even did that. Uh, and, and there's a couple of things that I thought about where I'm like, oh, wow, they missed a couple. But I was like, I'm not putting them out there. I, I don't want to. I don't want to be that guy. Uh, but yeah, like I, I, I kind of, I, I keep my distance for the most part. I'll, I'll kind of put out, um, you know, I'll, I'll put out whatever content and just be like, here, enjoy. And then just kind of let the people do what they want. Uh, try not to get in the weeds too much on that. I noticed, I think it was over a weekend, a few weeks back and I opened Twitter and LA nights trending, which is not an uncommon sight to see. But I think the next day you were still trending and I'm like, all right, what did he do? Right. In our business, that's the that's the first question that everyone asks, because when someone trends for more than like a night, it's something bad. Inevitably, what did he do? And it's just all these old clips. And I start I'm I'm looking through a few of them and I'm laughing. And I think there are probably so many of us who have those types of clips that exist. And and like you said, you forgot you even did them. But in a weird way, I think it might have shown at least a portion of our audience, sort of the grind, all the stuff you just talked about. I'm always on to the next. I'm doing this as a means to an end. I need to get great. I need to do this. And it's almost like, wait, this guy didn't have it easy. He almost, he he had to do these ridiculous random acting gigs to get ahead. And I'd be willing to bet you're probably, probably going to say, yeah, I had bills to pay. I had rent due every once sure. in a while, right? Living, you're an LA guy there for a while, right? Well, I mean, well, honestly, a lot of those commercials were when I lived in Cincinnati. So, oh, really? I, um, yeah. So, so I, back in uh, the Audi commercial, for instance, was like one of the first things that I ever did in the acting business. And it was in Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay. Uh, I was living there at the time. I, I just tried to move to LA for the first time. I was there for about four months and everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. I had to retreat went back to Ohio. Like I'm from Maryland, but I started wrestling in Ohio. And by that point in time, my friends had scattered across the country. So there was no point in going back to Maryland. I went back to Ohio where I had a wrestling base. I had some friends, whatever. And when I got back there, it was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm back there working, you know, whatever restaurant job, telephone sales job, whatever. And I'm just like, God, I, I need to just do anything. And back when you still had, you get the big fat yellow pages that they just drop at your front door. Uh, I went through that and I was just looking for talent agents and there happened to be a couple in the area. And I just called up a couple different play, anything that had a 513 area code. I called him up. And uh, finally, uh, one of the guys picked up and he was like, can you send me some pictures over? I sent him some pictures. And he was like, uh, he was like, what are you doing later today? And I was like, uh, nothing. He's like, can you come over and like, can you just read like a couple lines? And I was like, yeah, sure. And uh, I came over. Uh, I went and read the lines in the office. And, uh, he was like, all right, well, uh, I'm going to send this in and, and we'll see what happens. And I ended up getting like a, kind of like a feature role in like, this, this, uh, regional casino commercial where I was a masseuse and I'm just like doing the little <laughs> choppy hands on the lady. And it was like, okay, well that was a quick 800 bucks or whatever to do that. And then it was like a few months later, then the, the Aldi thing happened. And I was like, oh wow. Okay. This, this is going to be like nationwide. This is great. Um, and so a lot of that stuff happened in Ohio. The animal planet thing was in Ohio. Actually the animal planet, uh, thing, it didn't pay a lot. Uh, but what it did pay, it got me across the country because I had then, uh, gone back to Maryland for a little bit. And then once that check cleared, I think I had $50 in my pocket enough to get my gas to get to Dayton, Ohio, where I was going to go pick up my check. 
And I picked up my check for like $800, $900, whatever it was. And, uh, and then I drove the rest of the way out to LA. Um, now, little did I know my car was going to die 180 80 miles outside of LA in the middle of the California desert. And uh, it's a long story that I won't get into, but I ended up having to go back to Vegas and I had to borrow some money and things ended up happening. And I finally did get to LA, but I had no money by the time I got to LA because I mean, every, every dime that I had had to go into me getting a new transmission. It was a whole thing. And then I slept on my friend's floor for four months in LA. So it was a crazy, crazy time. And then when I got there, then I got the jewelry exchange thing. Um, and then it was dry for a long time. I didn't get a lot of roles after that. LA is much more competitive. It was very tough to get stuff other than background roles. And then, yeah, I, th- I think it was shortly after I had uh, gotten released the first time, I went uh, back to LA and that's when I got the role in uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine and I'm standing there. Uh, they gave me a, a trailer and they gave me a name for my character. So I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be a meaty role. Uh, my name's Mario, whatever, I'm getting married. And then I just stood there and it was just me going, I'm like, that's it? That's all, you named this character and like nobody's mentioned it. I don't know why they named the character. They didn't mention my name. I didn't say anything. I'm just... Oh, that's fantastic. But but I think all this stuff being uncovered and seeing the light of day again, I think sort of lends itself to to the journey. Oh, sure. From, from, the, from the fans' perspective, because they can relate and say, okay, this guy struggled. This guy paid his dues in multiple industries just to get to the, the ultimate dream. Yeah, because, I mean, a lot of the other goofier little things, uh, it, some of the stuff that was obviously, you know, for YouTube or whatever, that was uh, a friend of mine and I, just an attempt to not go back to normal work. It was just like, all right, well, what if we start this YouTube channel and we'll just do these comedy sketches? But I mean, we got like two or three of them off the ground. And then it was just like, well, he lived in Boston and I lived in LA and there was just no way to practically get us together and get all that stuff done. So it was just like, you know, a lot of that was done for free and it was out of our own pocket, you know, on shoestring budgets trying to get stuff done and just, all right, we'll we'll see what happens. And, you know, it went nowhere. Uh, but yeah, like you said, it was a grind. And then it was like, thankfully, you know, different wrestling companies started offering me more money after my first run at WWE and and stuff like that. So then it was like, I was able to not have to go back to a normal job, let wrestling start paying my bills and stuff like that. But it was still, you know, the struggle of, I'm not on the stage. I want to be, I'm not where I need to be. Uh, and, and, and for me, it's like, I don't necessarily want to be famous. I don't want to ha- leave my house. And every time I see, I go somewhere, I'm, I'm getting, you know, hit by, you know, Hey, come take a picture of this, that, whatever. I appreciate that all. But at the same time, I just want to live my life. So like, I'm not looking for fame. I just want to do this and do it at a level to where it's like, all right, this guy's really good. I recognize him as being one of the best, if not the best, and he's getting paid that way. That's really all I want from this. Um, so in that regard, I needed to be on that bigger stage. So even, you know, the grind that I had in, in whatever other industries, whether it was restaurant or whatever, me trying to finance this wrestling habit, as some would call it. Um, and then even, you know, getting these smaller acting roles that paid nothing, um, finally getting some money in the wrestling business and being able to live kind of comfortably was great. But it's still just, I wasn't where I needed to be, which was, I wanted to be on the main stage of this business. I had goosebumps at one point during your answer just now, because I'm pretty sure verbatim, I have recited that to my therapist going, I don't want to be famous. I just want to be really good in the wrestling world. I don't want to be a Hollywood star. I don't want to be going to premieres. I just want everyone in the WWE universe to go, that guy's awesome. That's it. Yes. It, 
Like, like if I could have like a Superman Clark Kent thing, yeah. that would be perfect. <laughs> Let me be Superman and all the people know, oh man, Superman's awesome. But then it's like, where the hell did Superman go? Oh, hey, Clark. How you doing? Yeah. Okay. Hey, just put on some, <laughs> some thick rim glasses. No one will know the difference. Yeah. Be- <laughs> well, LA, hey, we are 24 hours away, less than as this airs from you competing in the Slim Jim SummerSlam Battle Royal. Any last words for the WWE universe before the biggest party of the summer? Man, I mean, look, you're talking biggest part of the summer. You're talking a big venue, Ford Field, Detroit, the Motor City. Uh, And what, man? Slim Jim Battle Royal is where I'm going to be. You got 19 other guys. Everybody's got to get tossed over the top rope. I'm not going to make any promises on the thing, but I will say this. If you're talking Slim Jim and you're talking Battle Royal, I got to go savage. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, who knows? Who knows what we're going to see? There's going to be a lot of surprises, I'm sure. Uh, And uh, stay tuned. Peacock, 8 p.m. Everybody knows where to be. Absolutely love it. Where can the ATB faithful find you on social media? Uh, you will find me at Real LA Night, uh, both on Twitter and Instagram. Absolutely. And you see my, uh, my minimum posts. There we go. We'll follow along. The journey continues. Make sure you're following us at After the Bell WWE on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me at WWE Graves. You can find KP at Kev underscore Egan. Listen for free. Wherever you get your podcast, just search after the bell. Hit the follow button so you never miss an episode. Full episodes of ATB on the official WWE YouTube channel each and every Monday. And we'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell. LA, can I get a can I get a affirmative? Mm-hmm. Yeah, can I uh, Yep, come on. <laughs> Do it! Do it! Can I get... Please! Just one. Whose game is it? L.A. Knight? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay, that's that's what it was. All right, sorry. Amnesia. I forgot. Sorry. Good night, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.